more than that, you want to honor God. Thank you for tuning in to Protestia tonight for the evening of October 3rd, 2023. This is the program that we hope will be glorifying to God, convicting to sinners, and edifying to the saints. A program with sincere questions and biblical answers, and we are glad that you are here today. We're not, or tonight, I should say, we're going to be talking about um, what I would argue are the the, the bigger, broader underlying developments that have led to what we're all watching right now with Andy Stanley, North Point Community Church, and the unconditional conference that they recently held. There's a lot of chatter out there on the interwebs that, um, that this is first and foremost capitulation to the LGBTQ uh, agenda. And obviously that's the case, but it's not, it's, I would argue that it's a symptom it's a symptom of um, kind of a, a longer standing development that's that's really happened in evangelical Christianity that most of you are at least partially aware of, you know, and, and perhaps you've seen it some in your own church or some some in your own neighborhood. I obviously have. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll notice that uh, well, I've I've seen these things, uh, you know, up close and personal firsthand in my own backyard you can see that for following me on twitter but uh, we're going to get into it i i i don't usually do this but i prepared a, like a, a presentation uh so that hopefully you can use this episode of protesty tonight in um uh kind of as a as a reference point as a as a reference point to go back to when you when you suspect that you're seeing some of these things and you want to really remind yourself of of how to identify them or, or maybe how to think about it um yeah, like a basically a PowerPoint. Put together basically a PowerPoint. So, so that'll help us work through the the discussion here. Um, but before you do that, a little bit of housekeeping. The the main thing, I guess, for housekeeping is for those of you that are, are readers of Protestia, and especially those of you that are patron supporters, which, by the way, this program is brought to you. Uh, the freeloader portion is brought to you, and I guess the PTVIP, but the whole program is brought to you by our intrepid patron supporters who for only... Five ninety-five a month support the ongoing ministry at Protestia over at patreon.com forward slash Protestia, and you can join them. And there's now an additional benefit to doing that, and that is you can read uh, Protestia ad-free, ad-free now at this point. So uh, I have, I mean, we have like a lot of websites do an ad blocker on there that tries to, uh, you know, keep keep the ads from not being shown with a script. Um, and you, of course, are more than free to browse the website, read things, and what it, and and whatnot uh, with advertisements. But you, if you are a patron, a patron, patron of Protesta, you can actually log onto the site with your Patreon account and browse the website with no ads. It will eliminate all the all the ads and all the all the uh, you know us asking for support and for money and all that. And you can just read the articles because you're already supporting us, and that's awesome. And we really really appreciate it. We hope that um, the the work that we're doing here is edifying and it's a blessing and it's, and it's uh, something that you can uh, use alongside all of the other things that uh, are part of your growth and your sanctification and, um, and, your, and your Christian ministry in your neck of the woods alongside of all the other things you're studying. This is the, hopefully, the discernment and polemics component to that. We, that's what we're trying to do. And in in that spirit, uh, we're going to be discussing kind of the what I would argue are the underlying parts of 
or the underlying theology that really leads churches up to the point where we've seen where we're seeing um you know Andy Stanley and North Point basically sort of inventing their own Christianity in a lot of ways. I mean, so much of what, for those of you that um, listened to his sermon on Sunday, which if you haven't and you want to, is over at protestia.com. We have an article up with that audio. Um, they didn't stream it, so uh, uh, but somebody in there you know, recorded it and sent it to us, and we, you know, which it only makes sense. I mean, I said in the intelligence briefing earlier today that um, Christianity is not um, some sort of a secretive religion. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about this a little bit in the topic for tonight, which I have I have dubbed Mindustry, which is uh, my shorthand for the minis- the industry of ministry, ministry industry, or min <laughs> mindustry. That's that's gonna take some time to get used to. I think we'll see if it catches on. Um, but yeah, what what we believe and practice as Christians is not secretive. Uh, there's no secret knowledge here. I mean, everything that we know, everything that um, that is revealed to us in God's word, we, we are more than happy to share with anybody who asks. Um, and yet you see, you see this kind of practice. I mean, places, you know, whether it was the conference itself, the, the conference itself that they said, Hey, you know, we don't want, we're not going to stream this. We're not going to put it out there. We're not going to, and, and you know why they did it. They did it because they didn't want the criticism, but, but you would argue like, well, why wouldn't you want to have the discussion? I mean, you're, so you're going to do something ostensibly as ministry, Christian ministry, and you're going to hide it under a bushel. You're going to make sure that nobody can see it, you know, and well, yeah, because those unfair people, those unfair bloggers and those, those Christian personalities online are going to take what we're saying and they're going to criticize us for it. Um, yeah, that you're, you're not going to avoid that. But I, I think the reason that you want to hide it is because you know that it's not solid. It's not biblically, um, defensible what's going on. That's why you don't want everybody to see it. Um, but what is biblically defensible, and really the reason that we do all of this is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which I would argue, um, guys like Andy Stanley don't even understand. They don't even understand. They've replaced the real gospel of Jesus Christ with a gospel of what might be called therapeutic deism. Jesus is your buddy, uh, sent here to make your life better. And, um, you are permitted to, um, use as much or as little of him as you want, follow him. Um, to to the um, just the in the way that you want to uh, worship him in the way that you want to. If you like parts or or you don't like parts, take it or leave it. Um, that is that's the the sort of the self help me man focused gospel that has replaced the true gospel in so many churches. The true gospel, of course, starting with the very real and I would argue pretty obvious truth that all of us are sinners, um, born into sin, rebelling against a holy God. Um, unable to keep uh, God's God's perfect standard, um, God gave us the law to demonstrate that, not only to to demonstrate His holiness and and reveal uh, His perfect standard, but also to show that how ill-equipped we are, how un incapable we are of saving ourselves from the consequences of our sin. And yet, God loved us so much He sent Jesus Christ to step in our place and pay the price that we owed. Uh, the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, um, earning righteousness, earning righteousness um, on our behalf, and then um, dying in our place on the cross, paying the price to the Father for our sin, uh, our condemnation, 
was placed upon him and his righteousness is now imputed to us. Now, imputation is just a it's just a it's a it's a word we use in theology to indicate that we are considered righteous before God because of Jesus Christ. You place your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, and God the Father now sees you as righteous judicially. He sees you as righteous. He considers you righteous. This despite the fact that we still, this side of eternity, bear the flesh nature and continue to war against and struggle with sin. He considers us righteous. This is Christ's righteousness was imputed to us. And if you place your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ, salvation can be yours. Uh, you re- repent of your sins, turn from your wicked ways, and and trust in Christ. Now Jesus died on that cross, um, was buried, was buried in the ground, and then by the power of the Holy Spirit, raised on the third day, conquering death, proving that his sacrifice was accepted by the Father and um, seen by uh, many, many, many witnesses before ascending to heaven where he now sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for us. Uh, he is our intercessor. He is our chief, uh, he is our chief priest. Um, uh, and yeah, that, that's then the, the process and, and the walk of sanctification is, is what we're all doing right now as believers, um, hopeful and confident in the, uh, the glorification that is to come as eternal life is a, is a gift given to us. You have questions about that. You have questions about the gospel. Please reach out to us. Uh, one other thing is, as we're talking about this, I mean, a lot of the information we talk about, I suppose, could be potentially useful um, if you're not a, a believer or you're not uh, faithfully serving or ministering at a church. But it's really not for you if you fit those categories. Um, a lot of the information that uh, we might put out here might be misconstrued, might be misused, and we don't want that. So I w- would offer. Um, this humble advice that if you are not a loving, giving, serving, faithful member of your local New Testament congregation, um, turn this off. Go watch, uh, you know, go watch something else on YouTube. Don't watch this. Don't don't listen to this podcast because uh, this information is for the church. It is for believers. It is for the edification and the growth and the really the mutual support that we offer one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's get into it. Um, I've entitled this. This podcast, Mindustry, see if I can get this up here. That's a big one. Mindustry, the replacement of God with man in the church. And the reason that I have titled it this way is because I this is this is what's led. These 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 false ideas, um, this replacement of God and his standard with the desires and um and and emotions and you know, preferences, uh, and, and really the sinfulness of mankind is what leads churches to end up where Andy Stanley and North Point Church have ended up, which is not a biblical path whatsoever. It's, it's way off the beaten path. It's really, it's a, it's a new Christianity, a, a, a Christian, if I put that in scare quotes, a Christianity that has replaced the faith once and for all delivered to the saints with an, uh, an invention of mankind. And it, you know, in some ways it sounds like Christianity. I mean, there's, there, they, you know, they, they do refer to the Bible. They, they say Jesus a lot. Um, they, you know, they, they are folks that claim to follow Christ. And yet when you actually start to dig in and, and define what that is, what you realize is that's not what's going on. And, and North Point is hardly the only church that's landed here. This is all over the place. You know, some of you may have seen 
uh, on Twitter, I reshared a, a little compilation video that I had put together of uh, uh, Rick Long here in 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 Colorado, you know, which is a it's a small church, but it's a you know very unapologetically a purpose driven church, very unapologetically a a church in that mold of trying to supposedly reach the culture by conforming to the culture, pleasing the culture, um, using you know Peter Drucker market driven. Um, uh, you know, corporate philosophy grafted onto the church to, um, to create, um, customers, faithful customers of the church product rather than regenerate believers with changed lives that, that are now, you know, basically standing in opposition to the world around them. Um, rather they've, by, by infusing and, and, adopting these worldly principles, starting first and foremost with um, the customer is always right. That's kind of the first principle they start with, the customer being the congregant, and we must do everything in our power to um, deliver what the congregant, the, the customer expects and wants and, and needs, you know, purportedly needs. Um, and by doing that, we will grow a faithful customer base. Not a faithful congregation of believers, you know, but, but a faithful um, customer base of Christianity consumers. They're consuming a product that we call Christianity, but it actually isn't that. Um, and, and, a, and a big part of this, because you, if you, you go back to the original sin, original sin of mankind was Adam and Eve desiring to be God, desiring to be like God, right? Desiring to know things that were not for them to know. Uh, desiring to step in the place of determiner of right and wrong, determiner of good and evil. Uh, the definer of that was God, and yet um, Adam and Eve decided that they wanted to do that instead, and so fell into sin. And that, the the really the core nature of that original sin um, is obviously with us today, but it also it informs so much of uh, the rest of fallen man and our fallen actions. Um, and and this this first slide here, I said, who is the judge, and where does judgment take place? Um, and this this is important, I think, because we we have to understand as we walk through this that that there are things that we can judge and are supposed to judge, and then there are things that we can't judge and that are God's to judge. And of course, He defines the standard by which all things are judged. Um, Luke sixteen fifteen. If you see here, Luke, Luke 16, 15, let me see if I can make this a little bit bigger. There we go. Um, says, and he said to them, and this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts for what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So very, very clearly here we are seeing that, um, we are seeing that, uh, God's uh, standard is different. His point of judgment and his view is different than ours. And very clearly, the world standard for righteousness and God's standard for righteousness are two very different things. Um, the second verse, uh, this is 1 Samuel 16, 15. Um, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. This is uh, talking about David because I, I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So again, we see here, we see here, um, God seeing what we do not see. 
And this is going to come into play because a big part of the error that we we're seeing in um, modern evangelicalism is a mixing up of these things and then basically having to throw them out. Um, we'll get to it. Uh, next verse, this is James 4.4. 4. Again, we see this dichotomy between the, the standards of God and the standards of the world or the standards of men. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So that's, you know, James, <coughs> excuse me, in the midst of a, a pretty long uh, rebuke of um, what's going on. So here's how I define um, mindustry. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to catch on or not, but I'm using it for now. The, the evangelical church responded to its apparent loss of influence in the world, not by trusting God's faithfulness to his people, but by imitating the world's techniques, values, and lust for acceptance. We might call this the professionalism of ministry. Churches who resisted the doctrinal liberalism of the mainline denominations remained vulnerable to the promise of numeric growth and influence resulting from, and this is how they did it, reducing Christian worship to a widely acceptable, widely accepted product subject to the desires of Christian consumers. The race was on to find novel growth and evangelism concepts that would remain Christian, quote unquote, yet palatable to a lost world still in slavery to sin and still and desiring to be their own god so in other words how how do we um how how do we make christianity i mean you know the world hates us i mean you know jesus said that would happen the world hates us the gospel is an offensive message how do we instead i mean we 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 feel like we should be more influential than we are we you know we're, we're seeing maybe the writing on the wall that we're moving into a time where the, the, the church may be the real church may be losing influence. So rather than trust God to give and take away as he sees fit within the sovereignty of his will, what can we do with our techniques? What can we do with our smarts? What can we do to look out in the world and see what's working, see what's working for them and adopt that into the church to really grow, grow the size of the church um, by any means necessary. Um, and how do you do that? Of course, we, we just talked about it. You give the the consumer what they want. And what they want, and, and, and really, we, if we see this in Romans 1, we see that the, because the the nature of God and his power are evident in things in, in the world around us, in creation and things that are seen, there is a propensity for human beings to look for the transcendent, look for spiritual things, look for deeper meaning beyond their own existence. That's, that's very normal. And, and yet if they can get that, if a lost person can get that, get that, um, that, that self-actualization and that, um, that the, the benefits, you know, the, the personal benefits of spirituality while not actually repenting, while not actually submitting to Christ um, yeah, they, I mean, there's a lot of people that are going to be into that. There's a lot of people that are going to be into that. And, and perhaps, and, and I, I don't think that everybody that started down this path was all that, that they saw exactly where it was going. We'll get into that in a little bit, but, um, you know, they, I think a lot of them may have started with, you know, Hey, 
let's just let's let's adopt what we can and when we get them in here and and they they like us and they trust us and they'll listen to us um you know god is the one responsible for uh salvation anyway so he'll take care of it once they're once once we're in here now the problem that this became was that that the the churches that were doing this i would argue largely although there's some crossover they largely deny uh doctrinally speaking they largely deny the doctrine of sovereignty and election they don't they don't actually believe that uh at least in practice and so i mean if if we define belief properly belief is something that you uh that changes your behavior that you act in accordance with you believe it it really makes a difference at the ground level they didn't they don't actually believe in the sovereignty of God's election of his people. And because of this, you know, if you believe in sovereignty and, and, and the, the sovereign election of God's people, you would have to come to the conclusion that God will save those whom he has chosen to save, no matter what you do. And that's not an excuse to be disobedient or not to be um, evangelistic or not be, um, not seek to preach the gospel because that that is God's ordained means by which this takes place. We're required to be obedient, and yet God's election of His people is not dependent on our obedience. If I drop the ball, if I fail to do what I'm supposed to do, it doesn't mean people are going to hell that wouldn't otherwise be going to hell. And yet, and yet, uh, they in function they don't believe they don't believe in this reality. They think it's dependent on them. So, yeah, you know, again, assuming that they're these are actual believers that have fallen into this trap, the start of that trap is, man, if we don't if we don't get the right the right programs, if we don't get the right evangelism strategy, if we don't appeal to people in the right way, if we don't have, you know, churches for skateboarders and churches for, you know, hunters and churches for every every little thing that people want to hear, uh, you know, that then they're going to they're going to go to hell. They're not going to be saved. Um now, if you read scripture, you'll see a very different, a, a very different uh, understanding of salvation. You see on the, the uh, page I put up here, this is Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. Blessed be the God of our Father uh, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us. Get this. I, I highlighted these, of course. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. And I highlighted making known to us the mystery of his will. So it is God that gives us... Um, gives us the ability to understand and believe according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth. Then if we see um, John 1, 9 through 13, uh, which I did not get the whole uh, quote put in here, but you'll see uh, near, the, near the end here, it said, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, um, um, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, and I highlighted this, nor of the will of man, but of God. So it's not our will. 
It's not our will that saves us. It is the sovereign will of God. And if we understand that, if we really accept that in our practice, then we really have no excuse for determining that we know better than God how to conduct worship, how to conduct Christian ministry, how to conduct our churches. Um, the, the growth is given by the power. If it's real growth, if it's real growth, it is given by God and it is on his terms. And instead, what we've seen over the last, you know, I don't know, I mean, close to 100 years now, really, it's, 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 I mean, it's getting there, was instead this, this infusion of what we might call decisionism or easy believism. So some of you have heard that term. Easy believism, when the decision to accept Christ is the pivot point of salvation. Um, and when that happens, when, when, when you think that hey, getting someone to sign on the dotted line means they're saved, means they're saved, then you, you have a propensity to start to do anything you can to engineer that decision. Um, every, the, the church service itself becomes a, a response to, you know, hey, how can, we, how can we appeal to them just enough to get them to, to, to make a move towards God? Um, James 2.10, um, actually, I'm, I'm going to pull the verse up here. I can do it pretty quickly. Uh, James 2.10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point is guilty of all of it. Now, why did I, why did I pick that, um, that verse in this context? It's because the, um, God's standards, God's standards are the standards by which, um, we preach repentance. We, we, we preach repentance and the law of God unapologetically knowing that the spirit is the one who actually does the work of changing someone's heart. And, the, and that's the funny thing. The, the ironic thing about a lot of this movement within evangelical Christianity is um, they're very hands-off when it comes to salvation, um, but it's not, it's not because they really are trusting the Spirit's work. It's because they've redefined what salvation is. They've redefined what, what a Christian is. So, so if you're a Reformed believer and, and, you, and you really believe in uh, sovereign election as taught in Scripture— uh, you believe that the Spirit saves, and therefore you you preach and practice and worship unapologetically. Where the e- easy believism crowd says the Spirit saves, um, therefore uh, we really can't make any determinations about anybody at any point. And we're, we'll that's coming here in the following slides. But I put up here: Christianity becomes merely membership in a club where we all follow quote unquote Jesus in our own way and are unable to hold each other accountable. This places man in the supreme position, um, judicially feelings, desires, and emotions are given prime consideration. Faith is driven from the corporate to the private. And by this, I mean that, um, and we, we've heard preachers talk about this kind of stuff a lot, the, these ideas that basically um, you can't judge. You know, who are you to judge? You know, judge not, lest ye be judged. That you, all these verses that are pulled out of context to try to make it sound like um, what you actually believe is between you and God, and nobody else has anything to say about it, even, even if we hear you confessing things we know are against God's word, practicing things we know against are against God's word, um, living an unrepentant, 
uh, uh, sin, these kinds of things. Um, that's really between you and God. And at that point, we're only concerned about is, is this negatively, is this going to negatively affect the institution, the business that we're calling a church? Does it, does it negatively affect that? Because then we might do something about it, but Hey, if it's just between you and God, Hey, that's your problem. Um, and feelings and desires, emotions being given prime consideration. This is in terms of determining what is morally or ethically valid. What is, what should be judged as right and wrong. And this is what we've seen in churches like North Point, uh, as they, they basically push this idea that, Hey, this, this, this kid or this, you know, young adult, or this adult says, this is my, this is how I feel. These are my desires. I can't do anything about them. Um, and you have to accept this as, on the same level in terms of right and wrong as anything else. You can't tell me that my experience is um, sinful or invalid or needs to be, you know, is not reliable in some way. And because judgment cannot be rendered on the internal man, that's, that's as in, we can't see into one another's hearts. We don't know. Like someone says, I feel such and such and such a way Um, that may or may not be true. You know, I have these desires that are that are, have such power over me and things that again that may not be true. Um, even if I told you I have the desire, um, it's the it's in my heart this desire to get this message across to you in this podcast video. Um, you can't actually determine that for real. You can't see into my heart. You have to judge based off of what you can observe. But because judgment can't be rendered on the internal man, the judgment itself is maligned again they've placed the moral standard for judgment not on the external standard of scripture not not by the lawgiver and the supreme judge and we're and and we apply that standard but judgment and and right and wrong is determined from within it's a very humanist way of looking at it very progressive uh subjective way of looking at it the uh, right and wrong is determined inside inside the individual and we can't see in there so we're left with well then we can't judge at all there are no judgments to be rendered. And if you, if you see some of these, those quotes from the, the Rick Long, uh, John MacArthur sort of mashup that I put on Twitter, that's, you know, he, that's the conclusion he came to. I can't judge you because I got my own problems. I can't judge you because, it, you know, and, and again, it's like I can't see into your heart and know for sure uh, whether, whether uh, you believe what you're doing is right, what, what the status of your heart is. Therefore, I can't render a judgment at all. And by the way, I expect you not to render a judgment against me with external transcendent judgment removed. That's God's judgment. The only source, only source of authority is human power. The idols of influence, reputation, and greed. And how often, how often do we see this in, uh, the church industry in ministry? in mega church Christianity, whatever you want to call it, the industrial complex, how often do we see um, this sort of tribalism that comes from a, a personality, a cult of personality, you know, that's, that's all we're left with because we, we, we're not actually applying a godly biblical standard for one another. We're applying a human standard. And when the human standard is that, when, when it's a human standard, well, we're all different humans. Not all of us can be right. You know, if we disagree, well, it, we, we can't say, well, one's right and one's wrong. We have to say, uh, we just can't judge. And it, that just opens the floodgates for 
whoever can manipulate us the most, whoever can get in there and convince the most people to follow them and, and adopt their standard, which of course their standard is going to be, um, a, whatever you people want, whatever your sinning heart wants, whatever your, your felt needs are, I will give you that. They become politicians. I'll give you what you want as long as you follow me. Um, that's what we're left with. This, this phrase here, which Rick Long used, but, but a lot of these uh, market-driven, humanist, man-centered uh, pastors push, um, this, this uh, leave transformation up to God, we just talked about that a little bit. Uh, while we know, all Christians know that, that yes, real transformation, real regeneration um, is up to God, that doesn't mean that there are no, there's, there's no role for us to play. In market-driven churchianity, uh, CRM, and this is a term if you're, if you're a business uh, you know, person, you might be familiar with CRM, customer relationship management, is key to numeric growth. The needs and desires of the congregant reign supreme. Again, congregants being like the customers. Uh, we've, we've all heard the slogan now, most of us have belong before you believe. It's, a, it's the slogan for the replacement of doctrine with ministry. And if, for anybody that has listened to Andy Stanley's sermon on Sunday, he drew this dichotomy. He drew a dichotomy between theology and doctrine and the knowledge of God and, and ministry, like the application of theology and doctrine, which is a false dichotomy. If theology is the knowledge of God and scripture is sufficient, then it is our sole source for all Christian faith and practice. It doesn't mean everything is said in scripture. I realize that. And it doesn't speak to every single thing you could ever uh, need to learn or, or have a question about, but in terms of how to do Christian ministry and what our standard is for that, it is scripture and it doesn't stand apart and in some other category than actually doing ministry. And yet that became, I mean, Andy talked about that dichotomy that ministry and, and, and theology and doctrine were two separate things. Um, I said works, works that benefit the organization, of course, but works are the new standard for Christ following rather than confession or beliefs. We've all heard the, the phrase deeds, not creeds. So part of these, these uh, church industry uh, types getting people to supposedly belong before they believe, it's like belief is in some sort of separate category for them. That like, hey, if it comes, it comes. Um, it, it may not be, uh, you know, like real Christianity, per, perhaps. I mean, it's, and, and, and Andy, Andy talked about this too. He said at North Point Church, we have people that, that are like solid Orthodox believers, people that are somewhere in the middle, people that basically believe in like other versions of Christianity and people that don't believe anything. Like the whole gamut apparently is part of his church. Um, and, and he talks about that like it's something to be proud of. Hey, the people in my church believe whatever they want to believe. And that, but the reason why he thinks that, that that's okay is because he sees the church as, uh, in people in the church, not, not as believers, not as members of the body of Christ, but there's some members of the body of Christ. And then there's some who are sort of like on their way to hopefully becoming members of the body of Christ. But in the meantime, we're going to continue to, to minister to their felt needs until they get there. You know, one of the biggest felt needs, of course, being this feeling of belonging, right? This feeling of belonging that, um, 
we want to make sure that they're getting the the spiritual benefits of being part of the body of Christ, being part of the brethren, and that will convince them to uh, repent of their sinful ways and accept Christ. So we're not going to, um, if somebody is practicing homosexuality, they're in a homosexual marriage or something like this, and they want to be part of our church, that's just fine because we've kind of put them in a different, in a different category where again, we're, we're not going to make a big deal out of that because that's God's problem. In the meantime, they're, they, they can be part of the team. And you'll hear sometimes these seeker sensitive pastors, they'll, they'll talk about deeds, not creeds, and they'll actually chastise. I remember seeing Perry Noble at one point chastising believers that wanted deeper scriptural study and by saying, hey, you're, that doesn't matter. What are you doing? What are you doing for, you know, to, to show uh, how deep your Christian walk is? And of course, what he meant is like, don't ask me for that when you're supposed to just be. Uh, serving and working on the team here, you know it's 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 works that benefit our organization. Stephen Furtick did the same thing, right? When I mean, he basically said that hey, once you actually come to Christ, once you're actually a believer, part of the body, part of the part of the gathered church, um, then the church isn't for you anymore. Now, yeah, ultimately, of course, church exists for the glory of God, but it is a body that serves one another. So church, if you're a believer, church is for you, at least to a degree, right? A, a big component of it. I mean, the place to gather with the brethren and worship God, um, yeah, the church facilitates that. It's what we're supposed to do for one another. So the, the claim that church isn't for you is nonsense. It's, it's a total misunderstanding of what church is. And that this last one here, organizations, you know, these big, like, you know, uh, ministry organizations, these church organizations praise themselves and their tribe often to the exclusion or degradation of the universal church. We also saw Andy do this a little bit as well, but this is a very common, this is a very common technique that we see in, um, in mega church, uh, you know, kind of church business style, uh, organizations, because again, it's about keeping, their organizational influence, their crowd, their, their crowd size. Uh, it doesn't matter where you are on your spiritual journey. Um, we, you know, we're not going to make a big deal out of anything that would cause you to leave. You know, they're, they're looking for this influence. They will often, very often, um, I would say from the pulpit, but none of them are behind pulpits anymore. They will often from the, from the stage, from the platform, uh, compliment and brag on their church and how much different their church is than every other church out there. And they'll, they'll basically, they'll accept the world's framework, the world's accusations against the bride of Christ. They'll say the church is like a hateful place. It's not serving, you know, the, the, the church is, you know, whatever the world thinks about the church is totally true. They, they think you're hateful and judgmental and you're a bunch of fuddy-duddy fundamentalists and, and all that. All that is true, but not us. Our church doesn't do that. Our church is, we're like the legit expression of, of the love of Christ. And, and what are they doing? Well, they're selling themselves against other churches. So much of mega church growth is transfer growth. It's taking congregants from other churches. And they're doing this by offering a more f- a compelling product to the flesh. So, oh, you know, oh, oh, you attend a church over there that sort of has old fashioned music and, and, you know, they're wearing suits and it's, I mean, it's really, you know, it's, it's just not cool. It's not hip. You know, oh, do they not have, they don't even have an Instagram account. I mean, how cool could they be? 
But over here, not only, not only are all the accusations that the world would be pointing at the church probably true about that old fuddy-duddy church you go to, but we're not like that over here. They're stealing customers or stealing congregates, converting them into customers of their brand. You know, all, you know, and I mean, go over to the bookshop, you know, go down to the bookshop of, of, you know, uh, mega church, you know, mega church of Denver, whatever it is, go down to the bookshop and you get yourself a shirt and you know, the pastor's latest book where he reminds you how wonderful you are because you belong to that church, a bumper sticker for your car. Do you have a bumper sticker? You can put a bumper sticker on your car so you can remind everybody on the road how how much you belong to the authentic, loving expression of Christianity um, that's going on out there. We're not like those other churches. We're not like those other. I mean, that place has like they have a steeple on the building, like stained glass. It's really old. I mean, an organ. You know they 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 preach all this like judgy fire and brimstone stuff about repentance. And, and, you know, God's holy standard, you know, that they might say you're a sinner even, I mean, I mean, come on, I mean, get with it, you know, come over to our church where we won't do that. We are the cool ones. These guys do this all the time. And in the longer version of that sermon uh, that I clipped um, that Rick Long sermon, he does exactly that. He basically says that the church, the Christian church is the most hateful place hateful place with the most hateful place out there for the LGBTQ community, as he calls it, which is not a thing. Biblically, it's not a thing. Um, Communities don't form around common deviance. They form around common values. Um, But he, he calls it that. And then he says all the other churches out there that are, that are saying, repent of your sins, uh, turn from your wicked ways. We can see in Romans that this is evidence of your, of you not being saved. And we want you to be saved. We, you know, we, we want you to um, come to a saving faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, all those places are hateful. They're, they're terrible. They're awful. I mean, and how do we know they're hateful? Well, because we believe in the subjective feelings of, of these LGBTQ folks that say that they're hateful. They say they feel real bad about it. And, and, and as we know, if you feel a certain way, well, that's just as valid as, as any other standard. You know, that, and, and, you know, but come here. Come here where we practice the authentic version, you know, what, what, you know, the real Jesus, not like that bad guy that you've, you know, encountered out there in the real world. And, and the, the world, uh, you know, makes those accusations. We're here to tell you that that's not how Jesus really is. Jesus accepts you as you are. You can belong here. Uh, n- no repentance, that no repentance necessary. And then we get into uh, uh, non-judgmentalism. We we're just kind of talking about it. The only possible evidence of salvation. And this is a truism, by the way, this isn't me being critical of, of um, what these churches are practicing, but it is true that the only possible evidence of salvation to us is works and confession, right? Not claim. This is important. Not claims to belong to Jesus. You remember in, in Matthew seven, 21 through 23, Jesus talks about those uh, who would say, Lord, Lord, you know, did we not, prophesy in your name, do great works in your name, cast out demons, all this wonderful works in your name. Um, they, they believe they're saved and yet they're not. So we, somebody claiming, well, I believe in Jesus is not actually evidence of salvation. Not really. I mean, it's a start. It's a start. And 
I'm not saying that we were, were to go around just identifying people. Well, all you did was say, Jesus, I don't know anything else about you. So you're probably unsaved. No, but, but we do have a standard. We do have a standard by which we would uh, look to from ourselves and for others to, um, uh, to see evidence of salvation. I said, if we love one another, if we love each other, we will test each other, sharpen each other, and hold one another accountable by God's standard. We never know when discerning among these self-described brethren is actually evangelism. Now, why do I say this? This is important. Discernment and um, polemics, arguing over sound doctrine, right and wrong, uh, is the difference often between life and death. So many false prophets have gone out into the world. There are so many fake gospels, false Jesuses, Jesus, you know, Jesuses of our own making, of our own invention, um, standards for salvation that are not biblical, and yet people practice them. And 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 I would argue, think that they're saved, think that they're Christians. So I said, we never know when discernment among the self-described brethren. So that is sharpening one another. That's that's testing one another, arguing over doctrine is actually evangelism because you never know, not for sure, when you're going to come across uh, uh, somebody who you thought was a believer, you thought they were saved, uh, they, they said Jesus, they were, they were holding up their hands in the worship service, um, going to programs, kind of, you know, doing the Christian thing, and then you find out, oh, you believe in a different Jesus than I do. You believe salvation uh, is by your works. You believe um, that you can be an unrepentant practicing homosexual and still be saved. Um, you know, in other words, you don't pray to the true Jesus. This is concerning. I mean, we get the emails. We get the emails from time to time with people saying uh, it was discernment and even online discernment and polemics that helped me realize I was not following the true Jesus and I have repented and and am saved now. I'm a, a believer in the true Jesus of the Bible, true Jesus as presented in Scripture, which is a great thing. That's why we do the work. Um, discernment and polemics is... Um, aside from being edifying and sharpening with one another, it is, it is very often evangelism to lost people that think that they're saved. We are commanded to judge. God sees the heart. He determines our standing before him. Uh, yet scripture provides the standard for external evidence. Luke 14, 27, and looks like I was going to quote another scripture, but I forgot to put it in there. That's okay. Out of love for God and each other, we test ourselves and each other. We are to judge what is being taught, and our judgment is not by our own standard, but God's word. Again, this becomes this becomes important um, for reasons that I'm going to get into in the PTVIP. If you're watching this and you want to know uh, these examples, because I'm going I'm to talk about some pretty specific examples in uh, even solid seemingly solid orthodox churches of this this creeping into subjectivism it happens i i would wager i'm not a betting man i'm not going to bet on a christian podcast <laughs> um i would wager some of these errors some of these false ways of thinking judicially um in terms of morality and ethics are going on at your church i bet there i bet you've heard some of these things from from uh churchmen and pastors and folks that you um, are uh, sojourning with at your local church, I bet you've heard some of these things and maybe even, even in that moment not realize that they were wrong. 
that they were they they were slippery slope into this way of thinking. Um, we're going to get into that on the PTVIP. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Protestia tonight. Um, that was a mouthful. Uh, hopefully I can release all that stuff uh, maybe in an article or something like that to, to help you reference it a little bit easier. If you haven't subscribed at Patreon, we would encourage you to do that. Patreon.com forward slash Protestia and get the rest of the program that's about to come up right now dropped directly into your Patreon feed with no commercials, no interruptions, just the, just the unadulterated Protestia Night program. We're, we're going to continue for patrons. If you're listening on Patreon, um, or your Patreon RSS feed. Stay on because the program is not over. We're going we're gonna to continue right after this for everybody else. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time as always. Semper Reformata.